Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to the 316th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Once again, I'm Matt Perkins, joined today by special guest, Colorado State Wide Receivers Coach Chad Savage. Chad, awesome to have you here today. I'm so pumped to talk to you. I appreciate it, Matt. It's an honor to be on your show. Yeah, man. Uh, it's uh, I'm so excited. You've got an awesome core of receivers out there um, in Fort Collins, and there is so much excitement happening, not just around your program in the state of Colorado, and obviously in college football in general. Week one just happened. You guys had a tough game against Wazoo. I want to talk to you a little bit about Wazoo later because my Badgers play them next week. Either way, um, we appreciate you taking the time, and we appreciate all of you who have tuned in today to watch and listen, no matter how you are consuming this show. Got to remind you guys that we are presented by betonline.ag, where they continue to be your number one source for all of your online sports wagering needs. You name it, they've got it over there at betonline.ag. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. Bet online where the game starts. Also want to remind you guys that we can be found on MikeFarrellSports.com, the best site for all of your college football and recruiting analysis. Head on over to MikeFarrellSports.com today. Let's get into it with Chad Savage. So for those of you who don't know Coach Savage, uh, Coach has been at uh, Colorado State for a couple of years now has some of the best receivers in the country that you may or may not know about. If you've been listening to our show, you listen to our Mountain West preview, we've already talked about Tory Horton, who is one of our favorite players in the country. So, Coach, though, let's take it back a little bit. Um, you grew up in Reno. You played at San Diego. How did you get into coaching, and when did you know that you wanted to be a coach? Yeah, so I, I did go to the University of San Diego. Um, I played there for a year and a half, and then I transitioned to a student assistant. And when I could no longer play, I, I knew I always wanted to be a coach. Um, two of my uncles are baseball coaches, and they've always just been impactful in my life. And so I knew that was the road I wanted to follow. And when my playing career came to an end, Coach Dale Lindsay gave me a great opportunity to be a student assistant. And when that opportunity came, I just had to run with it. So what was it like? Because a lot of people don't know San Diego is uh, is FCS non-scholarship school. What were some of the challenges working at uh, at a non-scholarship school? I have a buddy who played at Elon, which is also the same non-scholarship school as well. There are some real interesting challenges, but it's also some really good football in those schools. Yeah, no doubt. It, it's definitely a good football program. It's a winning program. And uh, when I was there, Coach Lindsay, he was the head coach the entire time. So I was there as a student assistant in 17 and 18. And then I was also there for a short stint in COVID years, the wide receiver coach in 2020. Didn't coach a game um, just because of the timeline with the FCS being put, postponed. But there's always challenges at every program you're at, no matter what, what level you're at. Um, I think the travel is the biggest thing is with San Diego because they play across the country. I mean, they'll travel to Carolina to play Davidson. They'll travel to Florida to play Stetson and just the budget that comes with that. Um, but it's nothing that you really see or the players see um, because you want them to be comfortable with the culture and for them to be able to show up every single day and be able to reach their goals. 
And so you then headed back to your home state of Nevada to coach at, at coach at Nevada coach. Uh, and now coach Norvell was still there uh, when, when you showed up at Nevada, right? He's someone that I have long admired. He's been a winning coach everywhere. He has gone everywhere. He, he has been, uh, what has it been like to work with coach, work with coach Norvell now for, uh, you know, closing in on half a decade? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a blessing to work with Coach Norvell. He's such a great guy. Um, so my my first few years I worked with him were in 18, 19 as a graduate assistant. I left for 2020 to go work at San Diego. And then I was fortunate enough that Coach Norvell brought me back as a full-time coach in 2021 as a tight ends coach. He then got the call to be the head coach at Colorado State. And I'm so grateful that he brought me with them. And uh, we're just doing everything we can every single day to, to build this program the way he wants to build it. But he's a, he's a great guy to work for. At the end of the day, he's a, he's a great person. Um, he's an ultimate competitor. He's got a vision that everyone sees and, and believes. Um, he's very passionate, but he's a great teacher too. And so I'm so grateful to work under his leadership. And so when, when you talk about, you know, the way that he wants to build in his vision, let's talk about and dive into that a little bit more. How would you define his vision in the way that you guys are trying to build the Rams program? We, we build our program on respect, accountability, and hustle. And we don't want you, if you walk into our building, we don't want you to be able to see those words around the building. We want you to be able to look at our team and be like, okay, those guys are respectable. They're accountable. They hustle all the time. And right now we're just trying to figure out the right pieces to the puzzle. We brought in a lot of new transfers, uh, had a big recruiting class this last class. And so we're just trying to figure out what guys work together the best way. But he wants a team that's going to compete at all times, that's going to be physical, and a team that's going to out hit opponents and a team that's going to have playmakers where we can get the ball in their hands and have success. Yeah. I mean, you, you just mentioned recruiting there. And for those of you who don't know, coach Savage was named to two, four, seven sports is 30 under 30 last year, which is a huge, huge uh, honor. So congratulations to that. You've been super active on the recruiting trail. I know spending a lot of time in Southern California. Um, what would you say is your strategy or your ethos when it comes to recruiting and building relationships with prospects? I mean, it's very, I know it's very cliche that everyone says it's all about relationships. Um, but being a younger coach, I do feel like I can very, I can relate very well to these guys, um, being younger, but it's, I think it's just taking the time to always talk to these guys. Uh, one thing I do is I'll make a circle, say it's Matt Perkins. I'll make a little diagram off your name and I'll do five things is what important to making your decision. It could be location. It could be your parents being influenced in it. It could be playing time. It could be a certain degree. And so I'll make sure I'm touching on those. And then also just a 70 white 75 week plan of when we can start talking to you until really signing day on something I'm going to touch on every single week, whether it be the city of Fort Collins, the NFL players, coach Norbell's coach, um, guys that I've coached, that are now in the NFL and just getting guys to build that familiarity. So they're comfortable. They can see our vision. And once we get them on campus, I really think it's going to be game over. Well, for me personally, it's definitely the location in Fort Collins, being in the mountains, being in literally one of the most beautiful towns in America. I've been out there a couple of times and I absolutely adore Fort Collins. That is a pretty easy sell as far as I am concerned. It doesn't get much better than that. Um, and you mentioned you mentioned the changes, you know, with recruiting and also the portal. The portal has been has blown up in your time as a coach. How has the impact of the portal affected you in terms of recruiting and just sort of the way that you guys are going about building a team? I just think everybody in college football has to has to be aware that the game is changing. And if if you're not standing on the table, you're going to be on the menu and you're going to get eaten. And so you've got to adapt to the game. You've got to be 
diving in the transfer portal. You got to constantly looking at it. And nowadays they're, they're constantly changing the windows of when guys can take visits, when the portal opens, when the portal closes. But I mean, you can flip a roster in one year. I mean, some teams have done it. Um, we brought in a handful of transfers this past year on both offense, defense, e- even on special teams. And so obviously we took one on the chin this past week versus Washington State. But we've got a bye week this week, and we're just trying to make sure that the guys that we brought in, they can take advantage of these extra, pr- extra practices we got this week so we can start to get in rhythm. So uh, speaking of the portal and turning over rosters, in your home state, uh, Deion Sanders, Colorado has – reinvigorated uh you know the college football world and college football within the state of Colorado at least from the outside have you guys felt any impact within the state of all the buzz that's been happening uh from CU I mean you're always going to hear the different buzz that they've got going down there and they do a good job with social media and all that but at the end of the day we're going to focus on what we got going on in our side inside our building because that's all we can control Um, we've got those guys in two weeks and Dion, I think he has changed college football in terms of recruiting the portal um, because a lot of teams did look at him sideways when he first brought in all those transfers. But, I mean, they got a win last week, so you can't do anything but respect that. Yeah, absolutely not. That was I, I was watching that game on, on Saturday early, or late morning here in uh, Central Time, 11 a.m., and that was uh, – I was impressed. I was really impressed with that. Um, and, you know, uh, I have often been long – I've been impressed with uh, the Colorado State program and especially the receivers – I mean, what is I think 10 years in a row now you guys have had thousand yard receivers in Fort Collins, which is just, uh, I think, a really incredible feat. Uh, The latest guy you've got is uh, Torrey Horton and uh, Justice Ross Simmons, who I know you brought in last year. Let's talk about these two guys a little bit because they are studs like they are absolute studs. Torrey Horton has. Uh, you know, I mean, he was picked by some people to be, you know, preseason first team all Mountain West Conference, potential offensive player of the year in the conference. Talk about to me about those two guys and sort of their strengths as players, both on and off the field. They're both great players. Uh, we have a certain profile we look for when we're recruiting receivers. Um, we want guys with size, guys that can stretch the field vertically, guys that can make people miss when they got the ball in their hands. Uh, but at the end of the day, we want guys that compete at all times. And those two guys, they, they know what they want. They want to be great. They want to be champions. Uh, they do want to play on Sundays, and they show up to work every single day with that in the back of their mind. But starting with Tory, I've been around him for for three years now. He's a he's a great person. He's a, he's a big time competitor. It doesn't matter what kind of day he is. When he's between the hashes, he's competing at all times. But when you put all that aside, he's probably got one of the best personalities on the team. Um, he's got a unique skill set, and. He does have two years left to play, so we're just taking it day by day right now. He's living in the moment. He's cherishing it, and he just wants to be the best player he can be for Colorado State. And then with Justice Ross Simmons, I did recruit him from Inglewood High School. He's originally from Rochester, New York. Uh, he didn't have any offers out of high school. He's a, he was a big-time basketball player. We were actually convinced after we saw his basketball tape because we like dual-sport athletes. Uh, got him on campus. Um Last year, the first few games, I mean, <laughs> it, it was crazy what we went through. A, a lot of guys quit from the previous staff. Um, and then Justice, being a freshman, he got some snaps under his belt and really just took off from there. Obviously, he's got a long ways to go um, with just understanding the game, being a complete receiver in the run game, pass game, polishing up some routes, 
understanding route integrity, but he's got a skill set that I'm excited to work with every single day. And the sky's the sky's the limit for that guy. Well, and so what were you guys working on this offseason? Not just with those two guys, but your entire wide receiver room. What were some of your your focuses on during this offseason uh to you know make to put you guys in a place that you guys can be successful here in 2023? Just going back to being complete wide receivers. We want to be guys that are physical in the run game, physical in the screen game on the perimeter, and then guys that understand situational awareness in the pass game. We want guys that can have success in in-breaking routes, guys that can stretch the field vertically. And we do some stuff with our pass game where you're not just going to run the route like that's drawn on the diagram. There's different adjustments to base off coverages. So guys just understanding the game, understanding defense, and guys getting comfortable with our system so we could play fast and think less. So how would you describe the the offensive system you guys are running and what you're asking the receivers to do in that system? So we're an air raid offense. Um, obviously, we have some West Coast run game staples because of a background of, of Coach Norvell and then our quarterback, Coach Mummy. His dad invented the air raid offense. Wow, yeah. And, yeah, with our offense, we're, we're going to always have two or three receivers on the field. Um, we're going to establish our quick game. We're going to run mesh. We're going to do our drop back game. But we want guys that when they see a certain coverage, they know the right reception areas of where they got to be. And we want guys that if we get press coverage, the QB should be licking his chops and we should take that one on one shot. And so what has it been like for how have the receivers been building rapport with the QB? I know you guys have had to play two, you guys play two quarterbacks this past week against Wazoo. Um, You know, how do those guys go about sort of getting comfortable with two different quarterbacks? We're a team that's all based off reps. I mean, we're not a team that's going to do 20 minutes of individual practice. We're going to do quick game as a group. We're going to do mesh as a group. We're going to do routes on air as a group. And then after that, it's a lot of team periods. So it's guys just building that chemistry with the quarterbacks, make sure they're on the same page with the different side adjustments we got. Um, and you, you are right. We did play two quarterbacks, two quarterbacks this past weekend. And right now we're just trying to find the best pieces to the puzzle. And we got to take advantage of this bye week to see what quarterback emerges. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned you've got this early bye week, and your schedule is also really interesting. You guys don't play your first conference game until October 7th. Um, so what are you guys trying to do between now and that first Mountain West game that you guys have, which I think is Utah State, I want to say. Um, That's correct. That you guys, what what's the focus between now and then to get ready for what's going to be a tough conference schedule? Mountain West is strong this year. Um, I mean, you look at a San Jose State with a Chavin Cordero coming back, who is one of my favorite quarterbacks in the country. Boise State is always going to be tough. Even Utah State um, out there with Blake Anderson, um, they, can do, they can do some stuff as well. San Diego State's a good, good team. Um, so what are you guys trying to accomplish between now and when conference play starts with a week two bye, I mean you've got to look at it a certain way it's really a blessing in disguise because we were going into Washington State we thought we were practicing it pretty good right but obviously not good enough and so we practiced last night we'll practice tonight we'll practice a Wednesday and Thursday and then some of us coaches will go on the road to recruit but we have to take advantage of this we got to practice a certain way guys have to understand that standard and we need guys that can play on special teams. We need our best athletes on teams. And we need guys just to play, practice at a higher level so we can go out on the games we can execute. And we got to eliminate mistakes. You look at the film versus Washington State, I mean, there's 67 offensive snaps. There's probably at least one guy every single play doing something wrong. And so we got to iron that stuff out, iron that stuff out as a coaching staff. And we just got to get back to the drawing board every single day. So um, let's 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 move to talk about like your like per, your coaching your philosophy. What's your favorite part about being a coach? Just the players. Um, 
I mean, you bring a guy in and they all have that goal to, to be successful. And the fact that I can be a part of that, I mean, that that does mean something to me. And I can help them reach their goals, whether it be off the field, on the field, in the classroom. I can be a, along their side and I can put my, sh- my arm around their shoulder and say, hey, I got your back and we're in this together. So what are some of the stuff, what are some of the things that you're most proud of off the field in your coaching career? Uh, just seeing guys, I mean, not everyone's going to play in the NFL, not everyone's going to play in the, in the CFL, but guys that have had some of the dream jobs they've wanted. And whether it's me making a call for them to, to talk and be a reference for them and, and seeing guys happy that now the football's over and they've closed their locker, but now they're living the life they've always wanted to live. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, every coach I talk to, it, it, it always goes back to the relationships, right? Like it always goes back to that, that one-on-one, that man-to-man relationship and, you know, sharing advice and sharing just life experiences and trying to help, trying to help the guys grow. Um, I, I want to go back to the portal really quickly. Cause there was actually, I, there was one question I wanted to ask you that I didn't get to um, a guy like Tori Horton could have hit the portal last year and gone to pretty much any program in the country after, after that season. Um, how do you, you know, you know, I, I'm sure every guy is going to have a different priorities and stuff like that, but how do you convince guys who, you know, might ball out at, you know, in the mountain West who, you know, who I'm sure are being contacted by other schools. How do you, you know, get those guys to stick around? Is it like, it's a one-on-one thing sort of, how does that work? Because with the portal, like literally anything can happen and it can be free agency every year. Right. With Tori. So when we left Nevada and we took the Colorado State job, he entered the transfer portal and used his one time transfer. Uh, He's obviously hasn't graduated. So he isn't a grad transfer. Not that many teams in America knew that after last season, he was getting calls from SEC schools, Pac-12 schools, uh, a ton of power five schools. And him and I have such a good relationship. He would just leave his phone on my desk and we'd be sitting in my office and you'd hear some of the guys from the SEC school selling the world. Uh, it, at the end of the day, it's all about loyalty. I mean, he didn't have many offers out coming out of high school. Coach Norvell, our head coach, gave him a shot. And he's a kid that's loyal, and he wants the best opportunity for him. And he's gotten notice at Mountain West. He's had success in our offense. So there's so many question marks and unknown if you go to a different school. You might get lost in the shuffle. And right now, he's helping himself out. He's helping his stock at Colorado State. Yes, he's also helping our team, but – He's already being seen by NFL scouts. He's being he's he's well known across the country. And if you go to a different team, you might get lost in the shuffle, and they're just bringing you in to try to help them. And even might not necessarily help himself at the end of the day. Well, yeah, and you know you you know we talk about the receivers at Colorado State. There is a there's such a long history. I mean, not just in the 21st century, but going back of great great receivers uh you know david anderson who i've had on the show before one of you know one of my favorite guys he's an awesome guy you look at what like rashad higgins did um you know michael gallup trey mcbrough just like so many great receivers um have you guys had a chance to have any of those guys back in the building and talk about that receiver tradition at at csu we haven't. Um, I'd love to do a Zoom with them. We were talking about doing a Zoom with Rashard Higgins. Obviously, we just got to find the right time where he could Zoom in with the guys and, and talk about his experience at Colorado State, what it takes to get to that level. But Colorado State does have a rich tradition of putting receivers out to the league. And then you just look at Coach Norvell and his pedigree and what he's done with receivers. He's wrote a book about receiver play. I mean, he coached Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison. And so you just look at what he's done in his resume. He's going to get guys to the next level. And then you look at what we've done the past years with Romeo Dobbs and Cole Turner. 
Tory was those guys' teammates, and so he saw with his own eyes. You don't need to go play at a Power 5 school. If you play in the right system and under the right coaching staff, you can go achieve what you want to achieve. Absolutely. I mean, best receiver in history played at Mississippi Valley State. So it doesn't sure. matter where you come from. <laughs> talent is talent, and they're going to find you in the NFL. That no is, doubt. Yeah, no doubt. It might be a little bit tougher to come out of high school to be, be found, especially if you're from, you know, the middle of nowhere. But, you know, talent is talent. Once you're playing on Saturdays, the those, those scouts on Sundays are going to find you. And now you've also coached tight ends before. What's been what was sort of the biggest transition for you or the biggest differences to coaching between coaching tight ends and receivers? It just made me a better coach when I first went to tight ends. So I was a receiver coach. And then in 2021, Coach Norvell gave me the call to be the tight ends coach. And I'm just so it's a blessing because now I got to learn the ins and outs of the run game, uh, pass protection stuff. And so now I can really learn an offense inside out, starting with the run game inside with the tight ends, being attached to the line of scrimmage, reflecting them out, being a part of the pass game. And then obviously with what I'm doing right now with receivers, we can be a, I can understand the complete offense. How much do your receivers hate blocking? <laughs> they don't have the, that's not an option. <laughs> that is, that is not an option. We're every Tuesday. So today's our blocking practice. That's our blocking emphasis in, they understand if, if they don't block, they're, they're not going to get the rock. And so we take pride in blocking and we're going to drill that and emphasize it every single day. Yeah, it's, you know, uh, as a Wisconsin guy, uh, the receivers that I have you know gotten to know uh, are begrudging blockers because they have to do it so much and have had to do it so much in the past. Now, Wisconsin now has an air raid system, and that is uh, something that is completely, completely new to what a lot of people are seeing. And speaking of those Badgers, they are playing Washington State this coming week. So what would one if you were able to get on the phone with Coach Fickle or Coach Brown, the wide receivers coach, what's one piece of advice you would give them to attack Washington State now having seen them in person? Washington State, they're they're a very well coached team on in all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams. And looking at their defense, I mean, when we played those guys last year up in Pullman, they got after us. Um, we had way too many minus yardage plays, too many sacks allowed. And so when Coach Norvell was calling the game this year, we tried to make a call sheet where we could eliminate some of those stuff, where we could protect our quarterback, which we did. We only gave up one sack and where we could pretty much dominate the line, uh, dominate the line of scrimmage where we could get ball in our playmakers hands. That didn't happen, but I think he looking coach looking back, he said he kind of called the game like that, um, but they do it. They do a good job. I mean, you got to be ready for all the different pressures and looks they're going to do on third down. And I think just seeing that they're not going to disguise coverage as much as possible, but there are different packages and there are different blitz and uh, pressures. You got to be ready for all that stuff. So let's look ahead a little bit. Over the what do you? See, I mean, we've seen so many changes in the past five years to college football between the portal, NIL, and stuff like that. Where do you see? How do you see the game evolving over the next five to ten years? <laughs> I mean, that's that's a good question. You really don't know at this point. I mean, so much has changed in just the last couple of years with the B, the transfer portal, the conference realignment, NIL, the game is constantly changing. And so as a coach, you just got to be able to adapt to it because it's it's changing every single day. And I think it's a good thing. We just got to be present and coach where our feet are because if you get, I don't know, if you get caught up with what's going on, you might go stir crazy, you might overanalyze it. So I'm just trying to be the best coach I can for Colorado State and just live in the moment right now. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it is, I mean, as someone who's loved college football for 30, 
30 plus years now. I mean, I grew like I, I remember like the first time I loved college football was Charlie Ward and Warwick Dunn in Florida State, which was, you know, you're younger than me. That's before you were born, man. And <laughs> that I mean, I once I saw that I was hooked and I was in on college football uh, from the beginning. But I, the, the, the way that the game is changing is just insane. And being in it every single day, your head must be spinning. Yeah, I mean, it. It's, it's my job. It's my lifestyle. And so I'm uh, I'm always recruiting. I'm always trying to find ways that I can develop my players to, to be the best players they can be and to take their talents to a level I can't take themselves. But you get, you just got to stay up to date with what's going on in the game, whether it be transfer portal rules, recruiting rules, communication rules with the 25s or 24 prospects. You got to be aware of what's going on so you don't get so you don't fall behind with in the game do you feel like you have to be also like consistently recruiting the guys who are already in the building too not necessarily i think with the culture that we have going on at colorado state it kind of takes care of itself um obviously last year we didn't have the the winning season that we wanted to have in, in year one and so we had quite the turnover but at the same time we wanted to get guys that wanted to be a part of our culture and be a part of our system and guys that uh shared the same vision as us all right, I got to ask you. Now, Colorado State, I you know, I I love the green and gold, but you guys sometimes bring out those orange uniforms and <laughs> I'm not a fan. How do you feel about those? To be honest, at first I was not a fan, but they're continuing to grow on me every time I see them. Um we do have some different orange coaching gear that we'll wear, but yeah, we wear it for Aggie dates. This year we'll wear it against Utah Tech, and at first I was like, "Man, what are we doing wearing this orange?" cuz it's it just wasn't what I thought with the green and gold, but the players like it, and uh, it's a different changeup, and I think it go, it's a good tradition to go back for the old school Colorado State. All right, well, I'll get you out of here on this. Let's say I'm a receiver who's interested in coming to Colorado State. What what's going to be your what what's going to be your pitch? How are you going to sell me to come to Colorado State? Just an opportunity to take your talents to a level you can't take yourself. Um, you look at our system with what we've done it with wideouts the past few years. I mean, numbers don't lie. You got the top receiver in the conference last year with Tory Horton, hoping to run it back again this year in. It's, uh, it's my job to, to develop you in all phases of life and to, to make you a complete wide receiver and a complete student athlete. And if you get here at Colorado State, we'll definitely get that done. I love it. We're going to see 2,000-yard receivers this year, right? That's the plan. All right. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, Chad, I cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your very busy coaching and recruiting schedule to spend time with us here on Illegal Motion. Wishing you nothing but the best of luck moving forward on the trail and on the field and off the field. Um, so, you know, ho hoping that uh, I will get out to Colorado again sometime soon. You'll be here in Middle Tennessee. Uh, you guys are playing MTSU. My goddaughter is yep. a freshman, and we're looking to go to a game. Might have to uh, come by and Let say, me know. look like we have to come by and say what's up uh, uh, down in, in uh, Murfreesboro here in a couple weeks. So, um, Thank you so much to Chad Savage, and thank you to everyone for tuning in to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast on the Believe Network, presented by betonline.ag and part of MikeFarrellSports.com. And until next time, we'll say so long and see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.